Welcome to the seventh episode of Resuscitating the Business of Humanity. The title of this talk is Your Organizing Principle. The date is April 3rd, 2020. The location is Des Moines, Iowa, and I am Gary William Bear. It is no secret, or it shouldn't be by now, that we are living at a time when simply finding the next solution is not enough. The era of piecemeal remedies serving only short-term interest has come to an end. And we now need and can only afford those solutions that work at all times and in all circumstances, that are complete at the start, middle, and end, and scale easily effortlessly to every level of abstraction or specificity without any loss of potency. Yet, from where we presently stand, overlooking the apparent abyss of our collective future, what restricts our ability to recognize this is the belief that our problems are so complex that they have no simple answer. But, Beliefs are not true, so this is not true. What is true is the parts that now appear to be in conflict are not merely connected, but are in fact different expressions of the same principle that is operating faithfully at every level of life. Subsequently, this talk emerges out of the need of the times we are in and those soon to come to guide humanity towards its greatest common good by revealing how our greatest weakness, our practice of fear, is actually our greatest strength upside down. But to see this, we must first observe how our personal behaviors create the same obstacles within us in our individual life that later become expressed in our businesses and manifest as our societies. Next, we must let go of our antiquated ways of seeing the world as chaotic and divisive, as polarizing, so that which now appears complex and daunting may become even simple and refreshing. Finally, we must awaken to our sovereign authority, which is the key that frees us from our addiction to fear. For as the expression goes, the buck really does stop here. For this reason, the perspective that follows is the result of my desire to understand the nature and purpose of the world in the hopes that in doing so, it might reveal how the life of love and belonging and abundance that I envisioned on my inside might find its full and unfettered expression on the outside. Along the way to that understanding, many paths were taken. I took many paths, first motivated by fear and later out of necessity to come to grips with the obstacles that barred my way until a moment occurred in which I realized that I was the source of the problems that confounded me, 
that we are the source of the problems that confound us. And for this reason, we are the only place where a remedy may be sought. Over the course of many years of searching, thankfully, a moment of insight arrived in which the dual aspects of my life, of interior and exterior, were found to be accompanied by a third aspect that was hidden in plain sight, which revealed that there always existed a clear path between the two. Revealed to me was a triune structure of equal values whose consideration reduced the infinite complexity of life to the effect of a singular organizing principle that only appeared different because of the place from which it was viewed. Consequently, the episodes that will follow are offered to you to articulate that insight as the key to aligning the activity of the human being, the social being, and the corporate being to resuscitate the business of humanity through that trying structure in the form of a plan that when implemented becomes the path humanity takes to bridge the gap between interior and exterior. Being such, this plan does not represent an opinion. It doesn't represent my opinion. It is the recognition, it is the articulation of a recognition of a pre-existing process, structure, pattern. And as such, it is offered to you as a statement of fact regarding the self-evident truth of all life. And for this reason, what has been spoken in previous episodes have been done so in a manner that invites you to validate everything on the basis of your personal experience with the hope that it will inspire those of you who possess the spiritual wealth of love and light, the material wealth of will and means, and the shared wealth of wisdom and compassion to imply this organizing principle for the benefit of us all. Make no mistake, this is a plan to free the human will of belonging, of love, and of abundance that is being expressed in the form of a business model wherein business refers to the business of humanity and model refers to the wisdom that guides it into right relationship with the purpose of humanity. As a plan, it results from a vision of self-evident truth that reveals both the wisdom by which it may be realized and a practice for doing so. And as a vision, it proceeds from the consideration that every whole, every unit of life is composed of a triune structure of equal values. As a wisdom, it is guided by, informed by, the principle of universal law that describes the process of accessing that quality of that triune structure. Finally, as a practice, it is 
the application of a plan in the form of an expression of natural law that makes it manifest. Being such, this plan is the embodiment of self-evident truth, guided by a proper understanding of universal law applied through the practice of natural law to restore balance to the trying structure of humanity wherever they are, wherever you and I operate as individuals, as members of societies or participants in business for the benefit of all life. Now, all plans, every plan, is an attempt to alter reality, which is inspired by the appearance of some need in the world of form. But to alter reality, guided by this organizing principle, we understand that three conditions are necessary. We must have knowledge of the cause of where we are, a vision of the goal where we want to be, and a means to navigate there. To the extent these three things exist, we achieve our purpose, without which we miss the mark. And given the state of the world, it is abundantly clear <laughs> that we lack clarity of vision, do not understand cause, and for this reason are unable to navigate our way. And the reason for this is very simple. It is that the plans we envision lack a common reference point from which to view our present reality, envision the next reality, and our means to arrive there. What is missing in our consideration is the reference point. And that reference point is life's organizing principle, which I brought up in the previous episode, which is operating at the center of every cause, every vision of the goal, and every means to navigate there. So, this plan, the one that I will talk about in future episodes, is one that emerges out of an understanding of that organizing principle. In fact, it is informed, this plan is informed by that organizing principle. Therefore, it contains the wisdom of how the principle, life's organizing principle, is at cause to provide a clear path that will irrevocably guide those who wish to create and arrive at the reality they seek. As a point of departure, it will help you to realize that what you think of as needs in your life appear as a result of contrasting your thought and emotion about how your present reality is showing up with how you expect it to be. This is because every thought is a plan to alter reality and energy being an emotion being energy in motion, it is your means to arrive there. In a very real sense, emotion describes your location, direction you are heading, speed you are moving, and angle of approach, making thoughts, ideas, and concepts what you navigate towards, and emotion the means of arriving. You know this, that to the extent that your expectations are met, you experience joy, gratitude, even love. And to the extent that they are not, you experience disappointment, anxiety, and fear. 
But what is most important to realize is that when the perceived reality falls short of your expectation, of your intention, what inspires you to take action is the discordant emotion you associate with the missed expectation and not the accordant one, the charming one you associate with the goal. And what is not commonly understood is that when such emotions are the point of departure to alter your reality, they take you away from the goal, even as they perpetuate the illusion of arriving there, making it impossible to navigate towards or arrive at the reality you seek. This fact is critical to your understanding because you and I and everyone else as human beings are generators of both individual and collective reality. It is mastering that capacity, that capacity to generate reality, which is the purpose of humanity, for which you are endowed with the faculty of thought and emotion and will, from which you may do so. If this were not the truth, there would be no reason to have thought and emotion and will about the things you desire, but you do, such that the outcomes experienced in your individual life, in your collective life, are the reflection in the world of form of your conscious and unconscious use, of your misuse of thought and emotion and will. The same is true of outcomes expressed in collective life, be they familial, social, corporate, national, or global, planetary even. There's no difference in process, only in scale. And if you earnestly wish to alter reality, you must work with the cause of it, the thoughts and emotions and wills of all humanity. If you don't, your best efforts will continue to be no more effective than seeking to change your image in a mirror by rubbing on the plane of its reflection. Seeing this, why do you continue to do what you have done before, yet expecting a different outcome? You do so because you confuse belief for truth and effect for cause, believing that the solution you seek exists in the place where the need for it has appeared which is in the world of form. And in doing so, you fail to realize that your sorrow, your pain, your suffering do not exist in the world out there, but within you because it belongs to you. It longs to return to its unconditional state of love in you. And in making this mistake, you diminish your capacity to perceive cause as you further empower the deception of problems, thereby perpetuating the illusion of arriving at a solution that does not exist. Mistaking effect for cause and belief for truth has not occurred by accident. It has been engineered in humankind for eons through a practice that compels you to fear the appearance of future need in the world of form. And and this is its purpose, to increase the potency of the discordant energy in motion that distracts you from the cause of your problems, 
while sowing the seeds of destruction as it has for every past civilization. For this reason, the practice of fear has nothing to do with the business of humanity or the purpose of humanity, even though humankind has used it to alter reality for eons. Such being the state of the human condition, you will never arrive at the freedom you seek so long as fear participates in your thought and thinking, your motion and feeling. It will not matter how wonderful a philosophy, ideology, or amazing a technology, or how beautiful the ecology, or the eco-village, or green the financial model. None of it will fulfill its purpose until you culture the ability to discern belief from reality, effect from cause, and transmute the discord that yet abides within to then evoke plans empowered by emotions that are associated with the goal. Nothing creates nor exists by itself. Each wholeness is created, sustained, and transformed by virtue of this triune structure of equal values, its organizing principle, whose living presence maintains harmony throughout time and space and sound and light and energy and matter by remaining eternally the same, yet appearing differently when viewed from different levels or points of view. From the level of awakened cause, this structure is experienced as an interior, an exterior, and a whole, as a wholeness. From the level of relationship, father, mother, child, from the level of principle, love, wisdom, will, and from the level of matter, gas, liquid, and solid. But only from the level of self-consciousness, self-awareness, is time and space experienced as present and moment, and sound and light as thought and thinking, and energy and matter as emotion and feeling. This is the self-evident truth of all life. Upon realizing this, Love is found to be as the only universal law whose purpose is to create reality inspired by the desire to bestow love as the universe of form. In contrast, man-made laws are plans to alter reality inspired by the appearance of lack, of not having received enough from the world of form, and not being universal in nature, they lack equality. It is for this reason that such laws deprive some of their gift by enabling others to take more, which constitutes an act of stealing, this mistake or mistaking, which is later to be forgiven, requires that more laws be created empowered by a false rhetoric of freedom whose true purpose is to expand protection for those who seek to take while preventing its realization by those who seek to receive. For this reason, man-made laws will never deliver the goals we seek because they represent an act of polarization. Only an application of universal law will restore the individual, social, and corporate ecology for the benefit of all life. For this reason and this reason alone, 
the application of universal law is the roadmap that all life follows to evolve in accordance with the plan to bestow love as the world of form. In this sense, universal law is a physics of love that comprehends the cause, operation, and effects of this organizing principle that is eternally present, flawlessly operating, and intimately accessible to you and me and everyone else on the basis of our individual experience. Being so, there is no place it is not, making it, by definition, the reference point that is common to every moment, coordinate, or condition of time and space, sound and light, and energy of matter. As such, universal law evokes our awareness of life's principle as well as the practical steps by which it may be utilized to guide each participant to it, to operate in a harmony with all of it, with the wholeness of it. But it is the practice of listening that enables our awareness of the organizing principle. It is this which cultures the ability of the individual to receive the guidance offered, gifted, within each moment, while it is the physics of love that describes the steps to apply it in our life. But most of us really don't know what listening is, even though it's the one thing we do all of the time. In truth, it is the only thing that we ever really do. It is the one activity that is hidden in plain sight within all others, and why, when listening with our eyes, we call it sight. With our ears sound, our skin touch, our tongue taste, and with our nose we call it smell. When we listen with our physical body, it is sensing, with our mental body it is thinking, and with our emotional body it is feeling. When we listen with our heart, we call it love, with our ego, fear, to the will of the people it is justice, and to the laws of nature it is science. But no matter what, Listening is the key to everything we have come to know about our world. So listening is crucial to our relationship with life's organizing principle. Equally important is how we listen. Because when we listen closely, we discover each moment, the impulse of each thought we think, emotion we feel, and sensation we experience has a trying structure of equal values that is responsible for providing us with the guidance we seek. Consequently, as a whole, humanity is a trying structure of equal values of individual, society, and business that constitute one activity whose purpose is to cooperate with one life in accordance with one principle where disease, violence, and suffering are evidence of having, of it having been ignored. As a whole, the individual constitutes a trying structure of equal values, of present moment, thought, and emotion that constitutes one activity whose purpose is to discover how the life envisioned on our interior might find its full expression as our exterior.
as a whole, the bridge between that interior and out, outer, that inner and outer is hidden within the trying structure of equal values that appear to exist in each wholeness, but in truth, really only exists within each point of view, making its recognition, acceptance, and practice the key to manifesting as our exterior what we envision within our interior. This being the truth, it matters not where the members of humanity find themselves, for theirs is a power that is not constrained by space and time or circumstance, that is mastered to the extent that we are able, each of us, to listen to the organizing principle that vibrates as the interior of each moment and receive the gift of love bestowed to us as the world of form and, being informed by the wisdom revealed, become inspired to express love in that world. But to listen, we must be present. To be present, we must be without fear. And to be without fear, our will must be free, making the restoration of free will the true business of humanity, the true role of society, and the true responsibility of business. What follows now, what follows in subsequent episodes, will be descriptions of three paths. It's actually one path expressed from three different points of view that humanity may undertake to restore free will in the life of its members, members of humanity. Now, having heard the foregoing statements, it may be difficult to comprehend how the reality that presently challenges humanity, which results from our misuse, our unconscious misuse of thought and emotion, may be solved through securing our free will. And even more challenging may it be for individuals to employ that understanding, to navigate towards it themselves. The reason for this is that the practice of fear has been so thoroughly instantiated, insinuated, and implicated into the fabric of everyday life that we habitually take recourse to it without realizing, making true the adage <laughs> that the way to hell is paved with good intentions. So, what is the way to heaven, so to speak? Well, that way is the one each of us must take in the same way that only you can free your own will. Each of us must take this path as individuals, which can be achieved to the extent that people, communities, and businesses of freedom are allowed to exist in our world of effect, our world of form as examples of the goal. What I mean to say by this is that there must be individuals, there must be communities and societies and regions, and there must be businesses that have consciously chosen to be informed by life's organizing principle to conduct their activities in such a manner that it evokes the opportunity for people, for individuals to 
choose to free their will. Such being the case, what follows in episodes eight and on will be descriptions of those three paths, showing how each, in being informed by life's organizing principle, work to restore balance to the individual, social, and corporate or business ecology, thereby creating the conditions that humanity requires to navigate without fear the times we are in and those soon to come. That is all I have to say today. I thank you very much for listening.